0: Welcome to There Are Good Things Here, the podcast where we reflect on the lessons Katie Hubbard learned about living as she was preparing to die. I'm your host, Norman Hubbard, and I never once opened Katie's journals while she was alive. Now I'm opening them up to you so you can discover resources for your faith. Refreshing honesty and unexpected joy for the journey through a painful world with a wonderful God. This week we're going to be reading from two journal entries from mid-March and late-March 2015 and also reading an email that Katie sent to a friend who was serving abroad in Africa that was written around that same time. First from Tuesday, March seventeenth, 2015. Dear Lord, I have changed so much. I'm craving a day in my room. It has turned into such a sanctuary. I'm attempting to fast and am pretty nervous about it. I know I can't in my strength and I'm nervous about my meds. Last night, Rachel and I went out with Kathy and Anna and celebrated their 13th and 14th birthdays. We got pedicures, ate at Biagi's, and went to Cinderella. What a great night. It was so fun, so special, that Rachel and Anna have remained such good friends. So great to have such wonderful daughters. Very blessed. Rachel has practically all 100s on her report card. Gracious, that girl is smart. And I know that if Katie were here uh, today, she would say she really takes after her father. I'm kidding. And then... One note uh, from about a week later, Thursday, March 26th of 2015, where Katie simply wrote, "Great time in Florida. We had gone there as a family for our spring break trip." I also want to read to you uh, from an email that Katie composed around the same time to a friend who was serving with her husband and young child in Africa, and. I just thought this would give such a good perspective. This letter gives such a good perspective on Katie's view of uh, what it meant for her to serve the Lord and serve her kids as both a mom and a minister. And so she writes to our friend, I just want you to know how much I enjoy reading your updates and that you've been in my prayers a lot lately. I think between what you wrote in the book that you all put together for me, and having been in Africa this summer, I feel like I've reconnected with you in some ways. Maybe that sounds silly, but it's true. And By the way, Katie's referring to a book that a number of girls uh, kind of put together for her in honor of her on her birthday. Well, she goes on to write this. I greatly appreciated what you took the time to write, and I've thought about your words probably more than anything. I guess that's because behind your encouraging words, I heard that, that phrase, please tell me we're not crazy, right? And I heard so much of myself when I was in your spot too, of course. I never did it overseas, which adds a whole dynamic that I didn't have to handle. But I heard it again in your latest update when talking about being so far from home and family now that you have a child. For your information, The Collegiate Navs have started a blog just this past week. It's specifically for moms in ministry. I don't know how much of it would be helpful, as it's written stateside, but there might be some good stuff in there, too. I'll forward you the link. By the way, I don't know if that blog is still active, but I will periodically read some of the things that Katie wrote for other moms who are in ministry. Anyway, Katie goes on to write, I don't know if you even remember anything you wrote in my book but let me say i really remember what it was like when tom came along tom is our firstborn and suddenly norman was quote unquote surpassing me in full-time ministry in more time in the word more time in training more time with students more time with everything it was such a huge change because of course We had met as students in the NAVS and had always been such side-by-side partners in everything. We did the same Bible studies, got the same training, we went to the same places, and then boom, there he was doing it 40-plus hours a week, and I was just doing what I could. Of course, I loved being a mom, and there was never a question for me that I would be the one who stayed home with our kids. I would have resented it if I could not have done that. But still, it was, quote-unquote, giving up something that I loved. And Norman was leaving me in the dust. Or that's what it felt like. And then, there are all of the wonderful, ridiculous changes that happen when you become a mom. Things that you wouldn't change, but still make the adjustment kind of crazy. Like nursing and leaking milk in public. The baby spitting up on you blow out diapers while you're trying to talk with someone, you plan a nap time meeting, and of course, that's the day that your kid won't nap. I remember one time when Tom was just a few months old, a big-name Christian guy came to town, and somehow Lindy arranged for some of us to spend time with his wife. I zipped over to the house where the meeting was after nursing Tom, and I ended up sitting right next to the lady. I was wearing a black sweater, And when I looked down at the end of the night, it looked like I had been attacked by Bigfoot. My whole outfit was a hairy mess. I guess it was the time when your hair that hasn't fallen out during your entire pregnancy starts to shed. It's just another time that being a new mom made me feel a bit weird and other, especially as, in our line of work, we are always around beautiful young 18- to 22-year-old women. Ronnie used to try to beat it into my brain that I was not a full-time stay-at-home mom, but I was indeed a working mom. I used to resist that title strenuously, but she was right, of course. And by the way, Katie is referring to our staff mentors, Joe and Ronnie Bernardi, when we were at UW-Eau Claire. She goes on to say, The challenges of running a ministry home leave you with less time for home things, even though you are, for all practical purposes, at home. Make sense? So, somewhere along the way, I had to come to peace with the fact that because of what we did, my home would probably always look a bit more disheveled or things would be done differently than my other mom friends whose lives were similar to mine, yet also profoundly different. I hope that someday, someone will sit down and write to you what you wrote to me. I think that one of the biggest things in ministry— is you never know who is watching and what they're learning. I was reminded of that reading through the book, and I was reminded of it again this weekend. We had some U of I NAV alums staying with us. The guy graduated in 2008, and he has done a great job of keeping in touch, but he's a man of few words. Friday night, we had folks over for dinner We had cataloged behavior, attitude, and manner issues with child number one, number two, number three, and number four that we had observed during the evening and needed to address sometime that weekend. I felt pretty discouraged. But the next night, I got into a big discussion with our visiting friend about evangelism or something, and somehow we drifted into talk about teenagers Then he started talking about all of the good things that he had observed in our three teenagers during the weekend. What? You could have knocked me over with a feather. First, I had no idea he was observing us really at all. Second, while I was discouraged, he was still seeing good things. And third, God knew that I needed some encouragement and he sent it in the form of our friend. I also saw how ministry looks so different once you were a mom. Norman and I decided early on that he would always be 100% so that he would always be completely in the loop and I would come in and out. I'm not saying that this is the quote unquote right thing to do, but it worked for us. I like to have my cake and eat it too. I could pick and choose what ministry stuff I did without having to punch a clock. It worked well, but it also meant that my ministry seemed so much more limited. Lindy told me years ago that no matter what your reason, what your season of life, always have at least just one person that you are pouring into. When we had three under five, I was doing well just to have that one. I remember one student in particular, Molly, She came over once a week and helped me out around the house or babysat the kids so that I could run errands. I was so snowed under, we didn't even do anything disciplely or structured. I don't think I have ever felt like I did less or took more from a student than Molly, bless her heart. But to hear her talk, I apparently did quite a bit for her, Namely, she came in and saw our chaos and our love and our dirty diapers and whatnot. And we have stayed very close over the years. And she has three kids now, too. We still talk, text, and email a lot. And I've continued to stay very involved in her life. That was my one person. And God takes that little loaf and that little fish or that cup of cold water and does amazing things with it. And by the way, I know that Molly is one who faithfully listens to this podcast. Molly, I hope you hear Katie's love for you in that statement. Katie went on to write, I think too, when you were in your 20s and early 30s and setting out in full-time ministry, of course you're excited and it's great to be doing what you've always dreamed, but you're also watching your friends get good jobs and buy nice houses, and live normal lives. And you look at your budget and how far away you've moved and the high cost you're paying to follow Jesus. And you're very aware of what you're giving up for the gospel's sake. But somewhere along the way, it begins to shift. The years you put into ministry, those years of plowing up the ground, tilling hard earth, planting, cultivating, sacrificing begin to turn into spiritual generations living and laboring among the lost. They become your spiritual children. On your tight budget, you become rich in faith, as James talks about in chapter 2. I mean, obviously, we're not poor in the sense of true physical poverty that we see around the world, but we're poor enough that we're trusting God to provide our every need through support raising And of course, your paycheck alone isn't enough to provide for all of your needs. So you trust God beyond your paycheck for those big-ticket items, and then you trust Him again beyond all of that for those wishes and dreams that seem truly unattainable and impossible. When I found out in 2012 that my cancer had recurred, I knew it was very likely that my outcome would not be good. As I look back on our 20 years of marriage and ministry, I was so thankful that we had obeyed God and followed His direction for our lives and trusted Him to follow Him into full-time ministry. I do not have one single regret. I look at the zillions of students and precious people that God has dumped into our lap and I am beyond overwhelmed. But 20 years is made up of 7,300 days of diapers, tight grocery budgets, giving up nap times for kingdom work, etc. Somewhere I once heard someone say about parenting that the days are long, but the years are short. And I think those are some of the wisest words I've heard. I remember one time when we were camping in Florida over spring break with the Eau Claire group. There was a big game of Ultimate Frisbee going on on the beach. When I was a student, I loved to play Ultimate more than anything. I decided to hop into the game because it seemed like it had been so long since I had done anything like that. As I was playing, I looked down the beach, and I saw Tom playing in the sand all alone. And I knew at that moment, when I actually had the power to choose, that what I really wanted to be doing was playing with Tom and not playing Ultimate. So I left the game, and I went and played with him. Funny, but that is the only thing I remember about that day. Yet for me, it was a shift that had been a long time coming. After that, I somehow didn't resent, or resented to a much lesser degree, the distractions that came from having kids in ministry. This past summer in Zambia, It was very interesting to watch my kids become an integral part of the student team that we took there that was special but as i say to katie haas all the time good kids don't just happen that's why god gave them you as their mama to train and shape and parent you are doing a great work i'm very proud of you and your husband that you have followed the lord to a faraway land to minister in your little plot in the kingdom of God. Love you, and am praying for you. Katie, I hope that, and by the way, I'm addressing the Katie who is the recipient of this letter. Katie, I hope that it blesses you as well to hear your name mentioned as Katie wrote to you those words all those years ago. And I am still proud of the work that you guys are doing for the Lord. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode of There Are Good Things Here. I pray that you will be blessed by what you've heard, especially as we enter into this time of Holy Week. And I just wanted to let you know that the next podcast, which I'll release before Monday of this next week, will be a testimony that Katie gave at our church in Illinois around Easter time in 2015. And I trust that you will be blessed not only by her words, but also by your reflection on the fact that our Savior came, lived, died, and was raised again so that we may never die.